Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you for your children, your church. And we thank you, Lord, for sharing with us your precious word today. The manna from heaven into the garden of our souls, our heart, Lord, that we might receive it with joy into good ground, that it would take root and bear fruit in our lives, that we would be helped, healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by your grace, that we'll have a greater revelation of your love for us, and that we will be prospered in every way. With that same help, we'll help others, Lord. That's our commitment to you, if you'll help us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn over to James, sort of back by the back, if you've got your Bibles. Chapter 3, starting at around the 13th verse. James was a brother, a half-brother, I guess we'd say, of Jesus himself. As was Jude, who has a one-page book in the Bible here. James was awesome, and he was uh, he was sort of the head of the, the church in Jerusalem for a time. He was martyred. I believe he was killed with a spear, if I'm not mistaken. Nevertheless, he was martyred, as was all the, as were all of the apostles except for John. They tried to kill him, and they couldn't. Bible doesn't tell us about it, but history writes that they tried to boil John in oil or some substance, and he swam around in it like a refreshing bath. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if you're gonna write something down today, just uh, call this. True or false? <laughs> That's what the Lord was showing me. True or false? True or false? James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Go on to chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Amen. God's wisdom, he he compares that to jealousy, the opposite side of the coin. He says where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there's going to be all every form of evil. Do we see this today in all of the divisions within the church as a whole? Um, we see it in the workplace. We see it in families. We see it in relationships. Everyone jockeying for position. Nobody wants to give up any ground. And we always feel like we lose them if we don't give them a piece of our mind or take up for ourselves when we feel like we don't have to put up with that. And no one would expect us to. We love to get into that position where nobody will expect you to because we're because everybody's watching. And we're basing it on what everybody else thinks. Ouch. <laughs> Preacher, you're just meddling now. <laughs> we do. I just just now reading about sowing peace and 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 uh, just being. You know, we're supposed to let our gentleness be known to all people, and our love one for another is how people will know that we're God's disciples. And, and I was just thinking about how, you know, when I was going into surgery recently, when I knew it was going to be surgery and not supernatural, I was like, Lord, let me go through it well. Let me be a good witness for you. Let me heal faster. Let me make, make it be a report that the doctors will have to say, wow, and I will just point to you. And, and you know, he did all those things for me. And my wife was just commending me this morning on that. And I was like, I didn't even know if she, I really didn't know how I know. You never know when you're, you know. Something like that. You're struggling with uh, <laughs> with uh, trauma, severe trauma to your body, and uh, medication, and fear, and all these other things. And you just hope you did okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she said I did. But then just now, as I was reading this, I was reminded of my failure I had this week at the hospital, <laughs> right out in the parking lot after I went to rehab. <laughs> He's Guys out there that run the valet were anyway. I thought I was right. Most people would say I was justified, but oh, you know, I'm not. I'm not to ever get out of character. And so, God gives more grace. Amen. I want to look at something. I want to, this will probably help. This is one of the first things the Lord showed me. If you go back to Numbers, chapter 22. Y'all know about a guy named Balaam? 
Balaam wasn't anything special. But when Israel had come out of Egypt and God had them conquering all the ites in their way, all these nations that stood before them and opposed them, it brought some fear. <laughs> and this king, uh, this king of uh, Moab, he saw that they were heading his way and he was, he was afraid. And so he sent for this guy who was a, sort of a conjurer, a, a spirit. He was of spirits. He was a, what do you call it? Uh, he would he would put curses on people, and he would. I say he was a warlock or a witch. <laughs> but it worked. They, he was known for when he put a curse on somebody, they were cursed. So this king called him to to put a curse on Israel, so they couldn't beat him. So his smaller army could fend them off or oppose them successfully. And so he sent people to go and talk to this Balaam. And at first Balaam did right. He said, no, I can't do that. I can't go against God. But then they enticed him with some stuff, you know, a lot of stuff. They sent more people with more stuff, more treasure, more promises. And he said, no. He said, well, he went and asked God. And God told him no, but he went and asked. He said, let me go ask God again. And so God said, well, I'll tell you what. If they come in the morning, when you get up, go ahead and go with them. But only do what I tell you. Okay? And then... Uh, just look right here in Numbers 22, verse 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Okay, so he did what God told him, right? God told him to go, didn't he? Well, this is where I got confused. In the early days of my salvation. Verse 22, but God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. He was going to kill him. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, when have I, what, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam, he started talking back to her. And Balaam said to the donkey, because... You, you made a fool of me. I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. 
And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Because I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Then Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. You know, (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) That's why I listen. Anybody talking? Little kids talking? Rock bouncing on the floor? I'm listening. And God will not often speak to you in the same way. (laughs) Twice. And if he used a donkey and a chicken, he might just use anything. Amen? A rooster. (laughs) Why was God mad at Balaam? He told him to win. He told him to go, and he went. And then he was mad when he went. I said, Lord, if that's you, if that's you, then I'm afraid of you. How, you know, I didn't know much anyway, and I was already boxing with him about what do you want me for? You saved me. I'll serve you. I'll live for you. I'll invite you. In. I've invited you into my home and my marriage, and I've, I told you if you'd come that day, I'd never ask you to leave. That was my prayer, and I meant it. But then he wanted me to be a preacher. And I'm like, I don't know anything. I don't know what you want me for. Church on every corner, they all disagree. What am I going to say? He says, not like you think. They're not like you think. I need some people. He showed me David who has a heart after me, you know. And he said that I was one of those. Nevertheless, I needed to understand some things. And I told him, well, if I'm going to do it, you're going to have to teach me. Because I don't know who to believe out there. And then he agreed, so to my surprise, and I was really, and I was on the hook. But this right here, I questioned him. I said, I need to understand this. I can't go on any further because it makes me afraid of you. And I, I can't teach people that how you love them so much if, if I, I don't understand this to be love, you see. He understood that. You can reason with God that way. If you have a legitimate concern or question. And anyway, he showed me that Balaam's heart, it was his motive that was wrong. Balaam got to thinking about the stuff. And instead of going just in obedience to God, he was thinking about how he could work the angle both ways, you see? He was really wanting the treasure. And that's why he was glad that God let him go. And so I said, okay, I, I can accept that in the sense that you know all things and we don't. And he began to t- take me and show me the scriptures about what's true and what's false. He began to show me that Two people can do the same exact task or say the same exact thing and one be 
pure in God's eyes and one be dirty. Because man looks on the outer appearance, God looks at the heart. It's the motivation behind what we do. That's why people ask, if I do this or if I do that, or I'm like, first of all, quit looking at your doing and look at Jesus' doing. If you're basing anything with your relationship with God and your salvation on your works, then you've already missed out. Because that's legalism. And if you notice, Moses never got to go into the promised land. He was representative of the law, of God's perfect, beautiful and holy law. And God loves Moses and he's with him now, believe me. But he did not get to take the children of Israel into Israel. The children of God, the Hebrew children, into the promised land. When that was his whole ministry, his whole life's calling. He tried it when he was 40 in his own strength and it didn't work. And he had 40 years in the desert to get Moses out of Moses. And he went back and he did it God's way. Picked the snake up by the tail, didn't he? I'm going to do it God's way this time, even if it kills me. And God told him, speak to the rock and it'll bring forth water. But he hid it. Not once, like he did 40 years prior when it brought forth water. And God told him to hit it. But twice he struck the rock. Everything in the old covenant is type and shadow of things that have been revealed now. You see, when God told him to strike the rock the first time and water came forth, that was a picture of Christ being crucified for us. And the water coming forth is life-giving water that we enjoy now that we'll never thirst again. Amen. Amen. The second time he told him to speak to it, didn't he? I don't have time to go over there today. I'm just trusting you're familiar with it or now to get your interest up and you'll search it out and study it. But he told him to speak to it and he hit it again. Christ will not be crucified again. Amen. Amen. Now all we have to do is speak to the rock. Just ask. Just ask. Why do we ever think that the world can give us more than God? That's what Balaam did. You know, he should have been satisfied that, listen, God is talking to me and he's using me and nothing these men have interests me. I have the source of everything good and he's using me right now. But it's unbelief to think that we need the things of the world more than we need God. God can change everything just like that. I've seen him do it. He's done it for me. Amos 3.3 3 says, How can two walk together lest they be agreed? We need to agree with Him. Jeremiah said, It's not within man to direct his own steps. It was never meant for us to run our own lives. People say, It's my life. They like the forgiveness part. But the Lordship, not so much. My life, can't let Him tell me what to do. Here's the point. Look over in Ephesians. 
I want to show you one thing in Ephesians and one thing in Peter, Second Peter. But Ephesians chapter 1 is how they open up. In verse 3, Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is going to bless us in Christ. Is that right? Has blessed us. Oh, so it's already done. It's past tense. Oh. Has, the right, has blessed us in Christ with some spiritual blessings. Is that right? <laughs> no. What does it say? All or every? Or, <laughs> depending on which translation you read. I'm just messing with y'all. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This sounds like God has already given us some things. Then look over to Second Peter. Second Peter, right after James, where we were a while ago, and look how he opens up in his last letter to the church before he was crucified upside down alongside his wife. Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. First, let's back up to verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's wonderful. Isn't that exciting to know that grace and peace can be multiplied to us? How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. That's what God says. Knowledge of Him. Verse 3 is where I was going. His divine power has, past tense, Granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not some things, all things. And he's referring to life, this life, and godliness. Through, again, the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises, So that through them, through the promises found in this book, we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We're already blessed. We already have everything that we need. Galatians chapter 5 lays out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Or faith, meekness, and temperance. If you have the King James. All these things are ours. Full-blown and full-grown. And you say, well, this is where people get off in their salvation. It must not have worked for me. Same in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things become new. Must not work for me. I still got some problems. We're three part beings. Spirit, soul, and body. And all of this stuff that Jesus provided through the atonement is in our born again spirit. Watch this. 
Look over in, since we're right there in Ephesians, I just want to kind of try to tie this together. Say, what is it you're talking about? Ephesians chapter 1. I'm trying to make the connection of the motivation of men's hearts being worldly, which is ungodly, and at enmity with God, because we think we need the things of the world, not knowing that we already have everything that we're seeking in Christ. Okay? And I want to show you here. This is a prayer or two that Paul made 2,000 years ago, almost. And I want to show you a point. Ephesians chapter 1, look at the 16th verse. He's saying he's never stopped praying for them. And in verse 16, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And listen to the prayer, starting in verse 17 of the first chapter of Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now jump down. He prayed another prayer in the third chapter. It's just on the next page. Look at the 14th verse of the third chapter. And he's, he's finishing with another prayer here. For, the, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That Here's the prayer. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend what all the saints, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Notice this. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down a prayer for the church, for you, for all time. He didn't ask that God give them anything. He didn't ask that God prosper them financially and make them healthy, which seemed like a good prayer. You know, these are people I love. I want them cared for. God, give them a bunch of money so they don't have to worry and, and make sure they're all healthy. No. He didn't ask for anything like that. 
He asked that God would give them revelation, give you revelation of what you already have in Him. Isn't that awesome? In other words, there was, as far as Paul could see, which is perfectly in the Spirit, he said, he says, I have such great revelation. He even said it about himself. He saw that we don't have a need for anything. Because when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. And now everything that's been accomplished through the atonement is on account for us. And all we're required to do is to receive it by faith. Balaam was struggling with unbelief. Unbelief that God was good and that he would provide for him better than this king could. You see? And that's what we do every day. We put our trust in money instead of God. And Jesus said, oh, how hard it is for the rich man to enter into the kingdom. It was this guy came to him. Everything on the outward appearance seemed great. He was a rich guy, though. He said, I've done everything right my whole life. What do I need to do to go to heaven? He said, and Jesus perceiving in the Spirit this guy's one flaw. See the motivation. All of us would have said, oh, this guy's awesome. He makes me feel unsaved. Jesus said, no problem. You want to serve me? Go give everything you have away. And come on, follow me. And his head went like this. And he walked away without giving one penny to the ministry. I never, Jesus never told anybody else to do that. Why did he tell him? That's what the guy needed. That was his problem. He was trusting in riches instead of God. God doesn't mind us being rich. It's not a sin. It's trusting in those riches. Matter of fact, poverty is from the devil, not God. Just like strife, and divorce, and all these sickness, and all these other things that some preachers tell their people that God is putting on them to teach them a lesson. That's a lie. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The devil, the thief, came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Good God, bad devil. So glad that God has explained these things so simply to me. Because that's my goal. I was trying to tell Sam that this morning. And I think they credit Einstein with saying, I don't know if he said it though, there's a debate, it doesn't matter. But there's a saying that says, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't understand it well enough. Right? So my goal is, you know, to make this simple because the gospel is simple. Good God, bad devil. We need to put our trust in him. He's provided for everything we need. But we receive from God from the inside out. If you're born again, I have to qualify that, because your spirit already has everything. All the peace, love, and joy that we are seeking after in this life, that's really what we want. And all these other things is what we think will provide that for us, you see? Money and relationships and all this stuff. But all the peace, love, and joy we'll ever need is right here. But the dipper, the ladle, 
Or like Kenneth Hagin used to say, faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains the things provided by grace. Amen? All of the things that we need for this life and godliness have already been provided through the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us His authority. We don't have authority over Satan, but we have authority over His power. Authority is greater than power. A policeman walk out in the middle of a busy street and goes like this, and the bus stops. That bus could crush him. Much more powerful than him. Why did it stop? Because he has authority to make them stop. Jesus gave us his authority and he went and said, I'm done. I give you all power over the works of the devil. Now, we just need some revelation of what we have in Christ. Amen? Because without, first of all, the main thing that I try to put into people's hearts and minds is the the revelation of His love for them. Because until you believe that, you see, you, you start off with a whole bunch of people and you just say, well, your Father in Heaven really loves you. And every one of them have a different picture of what that means. Some of them were abused by their fathers. Some of them never knew who their fathers were. You know, some of them have wonderful fathers. And so, what is a father, for starters? What does a father's love look like? They need to understand good God, bad devil, and that they have an awesome father now who really loves them and wants to provide everything and already has provided. So, I was talking to my wife about this morning. We have, you know, the same way with sickness. Hey, listen, if I go to the doctor and I get my medicine, I have surgery, whatever. God doesn't love me any less. But it's not His best. There's no condemnation in that. Why? Because it has nothing to do with His love for me. Why would it make Him sad if it does at all? Because He would rather I receive His best. Get it all supernaturally. But if my faith isn't quite there and I need it some other way, He'll get it to me however I... I'll, he'll meet me at my level of faith. Amen? He's that good. No condemnation. But it's available. I'll keep telling people it's available. Listen, I've seen it. Blind eyes open. I know a man whose son was dead for five hours in the morgue with the toe tag on. Live and well today. He says he has no more brain damage than he already did, he said. (laughs) It's available. Amen. Romans 5.2 says, we have, and I'm finishing up here. Romans 5.2 5.2 Therefore, let me go to first verse. Therefore, since we have been justified, just as if I'd never sinned, by faith, you had to receive the forgiveness for your sins by faith. That was the first. God gave you enough through this word. All little containers of faith right here. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You heard enough to believe it. Amen. Say, okay. 
He died for my sins. I can be forgiven right now and accepted it with God if I just... Okay, I'm in. Do you have any trouble receiving that? Most of us. I mean, there are people that have trouble receiving that. But if you're here, you've received it and you're, you're gladly. No problem. But when I say you're, you're healed or you're prosperous or you have peace, you're filled with the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Well, I'm still waiting on that. How come it was so easy to receive the forgiveness of your sins, your salvation? Because you, you, you received it as news. Something that had already transpired. A done deal. All I got to do is take advantage of it. But when it comes to the other things that God said He's already done and already put on account for you and is already available by the same faith that you received your salvation, you say, well, I hope so. I hope He will. You're trying to get God to do something He's already done. He's saying, it's already yours. Just believe and receive. Don't doubt and do without. Amen. Grace is God's part. Using our faith is ours. I used to say faith is our part, but then it becomes a work. And it's not. Even the faith that we use is the faith of Christ. Amen. Faith is just our positive response in believing and acting on what God has already provided by grace. Romans 10.10 says, With the heart... Man believeth unto righteousness and is saved. Faith is a heart issue. And the heart is the garden of our souls. Amen. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, your guidance, your grace. Thank you for the faith of Christ. Thank you for the atonement which provided for us so perfectly. Help us to have revelation knowledge of all the things that have already been provided for us and are on account. Don't let us get to you, Lord, and which is our... We're so happy, Lord, just that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you did nothing else, that would be enough. But Lord, help us to understand that you want us to walk in victory in this life, in every area of our lives, and to help others to do the same. And that you've already provided for us. Show us how to walk in victory by using the faith you've given us to obtain the grace you've provided. We thank you, Lord, and we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.